Hello, my name is Jared. And my name is Al. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Today on our podcast, we have a long-term friend of the New Leaf Network. Al, you've known Alicia for a good long time, haven't you? I have. I have. She's a she's a friend of mine, and she has been a speaker at New Leaf events. So perhaps you saw her at uh, the Church Plant Canada pre-conference or some of our learning parties. She has been around for a, a long time. Remember those, the learning parties when we get together on Saturdays and introduce entrepreneurs, uh, spiritual entrepreneurs to each other, people starting new things. Um, man, those were good. Those were good were days. Do you have any of those ever again, do you think? I hope so. I hope so. At least in person. Yes. It would be nice to actually bump shoulders with people again in a room. Well, let's uh, add that to the prayer list of Jesus. Could you make it possible for us to do that again? But let's not get distracted, Jared. Let's stay focused on the point. And the point is that we have Alicia Wilson on the podcast today. What can we expect uh, from this episode? What should we be listening for, Al? Well, Alicia is uh, an, a spiritual entrepreneur, someone who has started, I call her a serial spiritual entrepreneur, meaning she started a number of things. And she's going to be sharing with us about the next thing that she is investing her time and energy into. And it's called In My Backyard. So imbyhomes.org for those of you who want to check out the website. And she's going to be sharing with us the idea, the concept for this new not-for-profit that she's starting. And I, I just think it's an inspiring, encouraging conversation because Alicia's just a, um, she loves Jesus. She's just like a, a regular, normal human being. She's not a, a superwoman. She's um, just a faithful Jesus follower. She's a, a pastor. She's uh, been a church planter and she just keeps coming up with these great ideas, spirit filled ideas and executing them. And I think as Canadians, we have a lot to learn from someone who has been doing this work and is, is good at it and is skilled at it. And I think it's something that um, we should be paying attention to and be encouraged by when we notice gaps in our community, things that need to be done, holes that need to be filled, things that should be out there in the world. And um, hopefully this serves as an encouragement for all of us to take the next step in, in starting the new thing that we see that needs to be birthed. All right, everyone, let's give it a listen. This is L. Pike and Alicia Wilson. Well, hello, New Leafers. Today we have with us a very special guest, the one, the only, Alicia Wilson. Hello, Alicia. Hello, L. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the podcast. This is a long time coming. Um, you are a person who I've been paying attention to. I count you as a friend, but I've also been paying attention to all of the interesting things that you have been doing for the past number of years. And you are, to me, the quintessential spiritual entrepreneur. When people ask me what on earth do I mean when I say that, uh, I say Alicia Wilson is a spiritual entrepreneur. And so I'm really thrilled to have you here today to share about some of the new things that you're doing, but also share a few of the old things that you've been up to as well. So thank you for being here. Oh, it's no problem. I'm really excited to chat. So... A good place to start maybe would be just to introduce yourself for those who are listening who may not know you. Yeah, so like Elle said, my name is Alicia Wilson, and I live in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, trying to figure out how to do life together in community with between two houses. We have about 12 people that are trying to live together in community, so that's an exciting new adventure. Um, 
I, about five years ago, started a nonprofit called Restoration Project that teaches woodworking to adults with developmental disabilities. And over this past year, I've just been starting, uh, co-founding a new nonprofit called In My Backyard uh, that works with tiny houses as an affordable solution to the housing crisis. Um, so that's kind of who I am and what I've been doing over the last few years. And yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I'm trying to think of a great place to start since there's so many questions I want to ask you. Um, you know, a lot of people will say uh, in conversations that we've been having, whether it's church planting or whether it's starting new things, we're always encouraging people to start new things. A lot of questions that we get are, okay, how do you actually start something new? <laughs> so as somebody who started a few things, what does your process look like when you take on a new project or, or how do you come up with the idea? Yeah, I mean, coming up with ideas is not my, uh, the, the hard part for me. I think I come up with a lot of random things that I want to start on a weekly basis. Um, I think figuring out what, which ones of those ideas uh, are actually viable. And so for me, it, it's taking something that I think often I see a problem or see something that I'm... Uh, maybe discontented with, I don't know if that's a word, discontented, discontent. Um, it, works for me. it works for me. I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> and, and seeing, oh, is there a solution or is there a way that I can come up with something that will solve that? And um, when it was with Restoration Project, uh, I'd been working in group homes for quite a while. And I just saw the lack of job opportunities and the lack of meaningful um, programming that was being provided for people with disabilities and so started kind of taking oh what would it look like to create something that was could actually generate an income um, for people with disabilities and create meaningful purpose for them um, and it started as I played around with that woodworking came to mind um, I saw that there was a lot of things thrown away and so I was like, we could get free materials and we can make them into things that we sell and then that could generate an income. The problem was that I had no woodworking skills and so had to come up with the, how do I learn how to do woodworking? Um, but I'm grateful that there is the thing called YouTube that taught me all things woodworking. Uh, and so, yeah, it was really my passion for people with disabilities and, and seeing them have meaningful purpose that started this. So I think, I think part of it is taking the skills that you have and having a willingness to take the risk to learn what you don't. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you are willing to take that risk to, to trust yourself to learn what you need and fill in the blanks, um, then you're able to pursue those ideas that seem pretty far-fetched or new, um, and that that's really how how restoration projects started. When you kind of got the idea off the ground and started seeing a bit of momentum, what was that like for you to see your idea go from something in your head or something that you put down on paper to actually seeing like like you had before COVID, like a quite a quite a quite a thing going over there? Yeah, we um, we had built it up over the five years to to something that was very manageable and had been growing um but I think in those early stages 
it was a lot of jumping between like being very excited to see this thing that was just a concept in your mind actually take place and then also like terrifying to to be like oh I'm I'm doing this and people are counting on me and people are expecting this to succeed um not even expecting to succeed but seeing that people were becoming dependent on it um and so there's always that balance of feeling very excited and very terrified uh of like do I actually know what I'm doing and a lot of the times feeling like I I don't know what I'm doing um and and when you're starting something new I had no experience in the the nonprofit world and so um it wasn't just learning woodworking skills it was also learning like how to do a financial plan how to register with the CRA how to do all the and so there's lots of things where I was like did I do that right and I think for the whole first couple years was just like waiting for the CRA to phone me and be like that was not right um (laughs) but at the same time just kind of going oh if that's the case then I'll figure it out as I go and then also surrounding myself with with people who who also believed in the dream I think was important um because those people, when, when I did doubt myself, those people are the ones that kind of reassured, like, no, this is, uh, this is a good thing. And then always coming back for me, the thing was always coming back to really trusting that it was, uh, an idea and a vision that God had given, Mm. um, because, I think to, to hold on to that trusted that someone is going before me and someone um, is already in the plans. And so I could trust that like, as long as God wants this to exist, then he'll provide the way for it to. Um, I think starting something outside of the faith context for me would be super tough. And so I love having, just having that reliance on the, God is in this to kind of hold it together. When I talk with younger people, I often hear a reluctancy a little bit, like people who, you know, are Jesus followers who are interested in ministry, but they feel a reluctancy, a hesitancy, or just sometimes a lack of desire to kind of get into like formal pastoral ministry. You, you've had a stint in that world. (laughs) You've got your MDiv. (laughs) uh from from mac div is that right yeah you're at mac um yeah i was at mac yeah what why not the pastoral route for you and why spiritual entrepreneurship or maybe do you see yourself doing both yeah i think for me i definitely am open to both um and and these were just the doors that god had opened up i think that um there for my personality, I love to create and I love to try new things. And so as a youth pastor, uh, I had a short stint youth pastoring. It was great to be able to, youth are amazing to try new things on. Um, And so we could do a lot of creative things. But also I recognize that there were um, a lot of great people going into pastoral ministry. uh, And there were not a lot of uh, at least for me, like with Restoration Project, it was not a lot of people were starting up stuff for people with dis- disabilities. Mm. And so it felt like there was a bit of a void or a gap in that space. 
Um, and so for me, I think it was just stepping into where the gap was. I don't know that I would choose one or the other besides walking through the open door that, that God provides. But I think in both spaces, it's just finding the right fit for your personality. Um, I'm not really like a nine to five type person. And so <laughs> recognizing that like I needed something that was flexible and creative uh, and really fed into what my personality was. Tell me about the new project that you're working on in my backyard. I love the take on the not in my backyard. So I love that. Tell us about where that idea came from and how it's taking shape as you walk forward with it. Yeah. So in my backyard, um, about a year ago, I started dreaming with um, my brother-in-law and Danielle Strickland. Uh, we were just around a campfire and we started talking about, me and my brother-in-law had been talking about for a while, what could we do with tiny houses? Um, I had been doing home renovation kind of to pay the bills on the side. And so um, we had been building houses and recognized that for both me and my brother-in-law, um, well, both of us have very short attention spans. And so home renovations take months and months, whereas tiny houses are much shorter. And so we thought, oh, this would be much more fun to design and build and trying to figure out all the things that you could build with tiny houses uh, in ways that you could use them. And as we were around this campfire, we just started dreaming about what would happen if we used these as affordable housing models. And rather than closing off our backyards, what if we opened them up? Um, and we really kind of started the conversation around going back to those childhood lessons that you learn in your backyard. And so we came up with these five building blocks of in my backyard, which are um, dream, create, build, share, and play. And so much of that is around when you're in your backyard playing in the sandbox as a kid, you learn to, to start dreaming and to start creating things, to inviting others into that process with you. Um, and we were walking, I remember through it, it was early in COVID and we were out for a walk with my four-year-old nephew. Um, and there was a man who was uh, homeless sleeping on a bench by near our house. And at the time we were renovating a house and living in another house. And he said to us, oh, well, why can't we just let him sleep in our old house? Because no one's there. And it really, it was really this profound moment of just seeing how simple things are for kids, that there's an extra empty house, mm -hmm. uh, even though it's under renovation, but why wouldn't we just let him sleep in it? And it really just kind of was that like moment where a, a switch flipped and kind of going, we have to get back to that childhood openness of just what would it look like to invite somebody um, into our lives? And so, yeah, we started dreaming about what this could look like. And so really what our goal is, is to build tiny houses in people's backyards um, that will act as an affordable housing model and so it'll be um low low rental in or uh, low rent um within kind of that 30 percent of affordability for people so that rent is not unattainable and we've recognized that we're, we're in a housing crisis but we're also in a loneliness crisis and so we have people who can't find housing and can't find affordable housing and other people who are living 
life and owning homes, but are also living a very lonely life where they're not, um, they don't feel like they don't have community. They don't feel like they have a place of belonging. And so what if we actually provided the support to bring those two things together, um, to provide purpose, belonging and community. And so we, we aim to not only build these tiny houses in people's backyards, but we wanna create this wraparound support that teaches people how to live in community through that process. And so that's the dream of In My Backyard is, is meeting the needs of both the housing crisis and this loneliness crisis that we're living in. That's very inspiring. Um, it's been very surprising to me, or maybe it shouldn't have been if I was paying attention, but I have noticed the housing prices just going through the roof during COVID and people who've been experiencing homelessness and these encampments in Toronto, especially I've been watching. And um, even we have one here in Kitchener, Waterloo, and just the difficulty of, um, of just how expensive life is getting here in Canada. And it feels like it's coast to coast. Um, yeah. And so your your idea seems to be hitting at a at a perfect time. I, I suppose housing has been an issue for a while, but it just kind of feels like the perfect moment to be talking about this. And so many of the cities have just recently passed bylaws that are going to allow these secondary dwelling units um, or laneway housing is somewhat times what they're called. And so as we see these municipalities opening up, um, two secondary dwelling units, I think the fear is that they're just going to become new uh, short-term high-priced rentals. And so we want to say, what if we actually, this is going to be a trend and we're going to see the development of these. Um, but what if as Christians, we lead the way and say, instead of just being a pure profit, uh, we actually were intentional in, in how we develop these uh, new secondary dwelling units and use them for good. And so it's been exciting for us to see as municipalities open up these bylaws to see the possibilities because we thought we were going to have to find a lot of loopholes. Um, and so it really feels like kind of God's in that timing, right? And we wouldn't have known that a year ago that um, all these municipalities were going to vote for opening those up. But I think Christians really had this opportunity to lead the way and say, oh, we're actually going to see what this could do, um, not just as another profit gaining way for homeowners. Right. That's so exciting. So how, tell me about like where, where you're at in the process and the project. So I think it's, it's more than just a dream. Now you have a website, like what are some of the things that you're encountering as you uh, move this project forward? Yeah. So we want to spend this first year developing pilots. And so um, we have four pilots that we're ready to launch, uh, Hamilton, Welland, Sandbanks, and Toronto. And so those will be our four pilot cities. And we have four backyards that have said, yeah, we're in and we want to try this out. And so now we're at the point that we really, we want to build. And so we're about to launch, um, some fundraising campaigns and try to raise the money for the builds and hopefully, through the fall and into the winter with it, we'll start having four homes for people who are in need. Um, one of our hopes is that we, that we partner with a lot of agencies that are already working frontline. Um, and so we want, we want to focus um, not 
not necessarily on people who are homeless at the moment, but also people who are at risk of being homeless. Um, and so one of those demographics is youth aging out of foster care. Mm. Uh, newcomers to Canada is another one. Um, and so we're working with agencies that are already on the ground working in those spheres. Uh, and so we would love to see for, for one of, uh, also pregnant um, single mothers or pregnant teens is another area that we recognize is at risk of, of homelessness. And so some our pilots are gonna gear towards those demographics. Um, but one of the cool things I think is that we we're partnering with these agencies that are already on the ground working. And so they can also continue to provide support uh, and wraparound support. And so if we have a youth aging out of, out of foster care, we have uh, a partner organization that's already working, trying to find housing for youth who are aging out of foster care. And so we just become a model uh, that they can use to place someone. And so they, they do a lot of the vetting for us. Um, and we get to partner with them and then they get to continue to provide support. That's incredible. If a church or a person or a family or someone wanted to get involved or, or learn more information, how would someone take that next step? Yeah, our website is, is the best place to start. And that's um, imbyhomes.org. Uh, and on our website, uh, you kind of have a lot of the, the questions of how can I be involved? Um, where do we need help? And what are the next steps? Um, and so contacting us through that website, but we're looking for people who uh, have backyards, people who have experience in the nonprofit world and, and would like to help guide us in that process. Um, and also people who have building skills. We really want uh, the, the builds of each of the, each of the pilots to be a barn raising, kind of get back to that barn raising mentality where we're building it together, not just um, not just that we prefab them, but and bring them onto location, but that actually the community of people that are going to be involved long term in this project uh, are helping build it and helping. And so, if there's people who have trades or skills, um, churches, we would love to be able to present the idea to church communities and say, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why." We've created a 10 series video training on our building blocks of, of why we're, we're doing what we're doing and what's the theology behind what we're doing. And so churches can always go, it's a free, it's gonna be a free resource for churches. So in September that will be available. Um, and so for, yeah, for people to be able to go through that training together and really, really dive into um, why do we need something like this? Mm. What is some of the theology behind why you're doing this? Yeah. Um, you said I mean, the T word. I couldn't resist. <laughs> so one of the, the, we go through each of the five building blocks. And so we start off with why do we need to dream? And why do we need to dream? Why does God call us to dream? Um, and how do we create a better world through that dreaming? Uh, when we go through creating, um, we really ground on the idea, Muhammad Yunus, who created this microfinancing, 
said that we create what we want. And so um, what is the discontent, discontent uh, that we see around that we're creating what we want? Um, when, when we get to build, we look at really recognizing that so many of the things that we see around us were, are simply there um, because someone built them and someone created them. So even suburbs, suburbs were created um, because somebody named William Levitt decided after the war that there's a fast way to build houses mm. and we can build them all together. And unfortunately, um, some of them were built for, for very racist ideas that we can move white segregation out. And so we just look at some of the, the history behind our suburbs. Um, and then also really the theology of whose land is it? And so when we look at ownership of land and we look at when we're, we're building again on land, um, whose land is it? And what's the idea of stewardship versus ownership? Uh, and how do we get back to this idea that if, if it wasn't really our land to own in the first place, mm. then how do we steward it now as the quote on owners of this land? Um, and so that's some of the theological stuff that we look at. Um, and then, and then how do we share what God's given? How do we share in community and living in mutuality with one another? Um, and then also just the importance of playing together and that, uh, when God puts us in community and, and with other people, that there's an element that in, as we share together, that we also have permission to play together. Mm. Um, and so those are some of the, the theology, theological ideas that we, we talk about. And these are just launching pad videos of training. But our hope is that people can use them uh, to just create some, some new conversations around, around a housing crisis. We all live in, in Canada. Well, not, I'm sure there's some people who are listening that don't live in Canada. But as we launch these pilots looking at that there's a housing crisis probably around all of our communities. And so how do we creatively think about the solutions to that? And maybe that solution isn't necessarily through in my backyard. Maybe there'll be some neat creative ideas that come outside of that, right? And we're so excited to just see kind of how God uses that as a launching pad. It's really exciting. I'm really excited for you. Well, um, thanks. I'm also excited. Thinking about- And excited. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thinking about the future of the church, which is something we do love to do around New Leaf, how do you think spiritual entrepreneurship, the things that you and your team are trying, how do you think that fits into what the future of the church in Canada will be? Yeah, I think I, it gets me really excited that I think the future of the church is not just inside the walls of the church on a Sunday morning, um, that we actually have to start thinking about how the, the church is interacting with society as a whole and that historically so many of the infrastructures that we have, the schoolings and hospitals um, and food banks and shelters, that those were all things that historically the church saw a need and, and provided for that need. Um, and as I think 
I think that we're at this point that we, at some point in history, the church handed that over to the government. And I'm sure there's a historian that knows what that timeline was much better than I do. Um, but I think I'm excited to see the church taking some of those things back and taking responsibility over some of those things and saying, we actually have to find ways to, to benefit and deeply impact the needs of our society. Um, and so I think when I look at like social entrepreneurship and that that's a way to do that, that I can take my faith and the things that I believe in, in the theology that shapes my life and actually can take that in a way uh, that transforms my community and the people around me. And so even with Restoration Project, it was part of what I wanted to do was to take this idea that there's these materials that are overlooked and we throw, we live in a throwaway culture, which is just destroying the environment. So we could take something that we know it is detrimental to our environment and we can stop them from, we can stop those materials from going to landfills, but also we can take this understanding that often in society, people with disabilities are overlooked um, and they're cast aside, but God sees so much greater value in them and in every human. And so I can take this theological truth that I have and I can meld it into into a, this idea of a business. And to me, that that's really exciting is that we can take our faith and we can allow that to motivate, uh, motivate us in ways that can change society. Um, and, and the church gets to be a part of that. And the church gets to, I think it's important for the church to come alongside small startups, um, especially in the social entrepreneurship world and say like, we believe in what you're doing and it may not look like church, but it is actually God working in our society. Um, and so, yeah, it's exciting. I think for me that all the creative ways in which God can work that is both within the church, but also outside of the walls of church and, and Sundays. For those people who are listening and, and, you know, around New Leaf, we're always encouraging people to try something new, whether it's church plants, whether it's common cause communities, sorts of social entrepreneurship, spiritual entrepreneurship, we just always want people to take that next step. So if there's someone who's listening right now, who's got an idea, something's kind of rattling around in their heart and mind, they do sense the spirits in it. Um, what encouragement would you have for someone like that? I think my biggest encouragement is to take the risk and be willing to, to take on the risk that might entail in starting something. Um, I believe strongly in, in something that I've been calling the dignity of risk and this idea that God actually created us to take risks. And part of being fully human is to be able to dream and risk and that each of us, you don't take these, not that it's like, um, like kind of flippant risks that we're just, uh, doing whatever but I think when God is calling us into something there's always going to be a risk of it failing or it not working um, but it's worth it to do it uh, and I've been a part of things that have you could label as failures or that didn't take off um, 
but in those process, I learned so much about myself and about God. And I've seen how God used different things in my life and whether they were failures or successes um, to, to even start restoration projects in, in my backyard. And so things that I didn't think were going to have any traction in my life or any that were just cast aside as, oh, that was just a stupid idea or something. Um, that God actually used that and, and used it later on in life. And so I think trusting that even in the process of starting something, whether it succeeds or not, that you're learning and being shaped and formed in that process is hugely important. So the outcome is, I don't think the outcome is actually what we're, we're called to. I think we're called to the process. That's a great encouragement. And I certainly love that line, the dignity of risk. That's excellent. Well, thank you for being here with us. I feel like we could talk for a very long time about all of the things, um, but just um, just so that people know how to get a hold of you, just um, share share the, the website for Restoration Project and for In My Backyard again. Yeah, so Restoration Project is restorationproject.ca and In My Backyard is imbymbhomes.org. Awesome. Thank you for being here. I Thanks for having me, Elle. Of course. I can't wait to see uh, where In My Backyard goes or, and whatever great thing you have next coming for you. So thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. All right. That was L. Pike and Alicia Wilson. Man, what a great episode, L. What were some of the things that, uh, that were your takeaways from what she was talking about? I am a big fan of Alicia. So there's lots of great things that we chatted about. I loved how she shared the process for getting in my backyard started, uh, the way it kind of was birthed organically out of um, renovations and work that she was doing. And then just seeing um, this new opportunity with, you know, tiny homes being allowed in people's backyards. And I, I know that a law was passed here in, in Kitchener-Waterloo to allow that. And the imagination that a lot of people probably have is, hey, I can put this you know, tiny home in my backyard and it could create a new income stream for my family. But what would it look like if we actually thought about this as missional, as, as something that could actually create sustainable housing or temporary housing for people who need it? And I love that it was birthed out of the desire to serve initially first um, kids who are kind of aging out of the foster care system, which I know is a big, a big deal in housing um, right across Canada. So I love that it's a timely idea. I love that um, she just kind of went for it, gathered a team together, contacted stakeholders who she thought would this would be interesting to them, and that they're kind of working collaboratively across all sorts of different organizations to make this happen. So I just find it so encouraging when uh, people take the idea and then it turns into something. And the hope is that other churches and communities, small groups, communities of faith will kind of rally around this. And um, I'm really excited to see how some of their... Um, pilot projects go this fall. So we'll keep you all informed about how in my backyard is going. Yeah, I, I always find Alicia a very uh, practical and exciting person um, because there is an organic way that she accepts sort of the call to adventure uh, in the stuff of everyday life. Um, she lives, and I think the spirit whispers to her about things that, that she could be using her talents to do. And I'm 
always so impressed by her. I really, really like her. And I love uh, getting to watch her at work. And so if you were listening today and you have, you've got something that you see, a little pocket, a little, a little, um, a little opportunity that no one else seems to be doing anything about. There's uh, one reaction you can have to that. And uh, that is complain about it. Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Uh, Another reaction you can have to that. And I want to maybe encourage you to have this one is why not you? Why not take a look, see what you could do. Maybe it's not everything, but just start somewhere. Just start folks. That's what we're all about here at the New Leaf Network. We love hearing from planters and starters. And Alicia is one of our favorite starters. Um, And she is up to all kinds of good trouble. And I suggest you take her example uh, for yourself. So, Al, thanks for uh, bringing uh, Alicia to the table to talk with us. Uh, What else do we have going on around the network this fall? Well, coming into the fall, we have a few exciting things that we're doing. Um, We are going to have another discernment pathway happening this fall. So if you are a person who is just kind of at a crossroads, you're trying to discern what may be next for you. Perhaps you feel a call to start something new. Maybe you feel a call to transition from something that you're currently doing. Come hang out with us uh, and participate in the discernment pathway. It's for people who are considering starting things, people who are already in ministry. Essentially, if you just need some time in community with leaders across Canada to process what may be next for you. We would love to have you participate in that. Uh, We haven't settled on the date yet for the fall session, but check out our website and you'll be able to find some information there. We also have the design shop happening this fall. Hopefully some of it will be in person if uh, things keep moving in the right direction. So Jared, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about that? Right. So that's happening uh, uh, in November. It's uh... It's on that weekend of, uh, let's see here, just pulling up my calendar, the 19th and the 20th. Uh, it will start before then. So we're going to do a little bit of online stuff uh, to get ourselves prepped. And then we're off to the races, uh, hopefully in a hybrid and in-person version, um, 19th and 20th. And we're looking at uh, doing it in person in Toronto. And like Elle said, uh, you know, Depending on how this Delta variant plays itself out, um, we we may or may not be able to meet in person or we'll have to meet in some kind of modified way. So uh, we're old hat at that now. We've, we, we all know how to, uh, to, to do these hybrid events. And so I'm really excited about that. So a church point design shop is for anybody who is contemplating a start. So what are the practical steps I need to take to take an idea from the idea stage to getting it uh, off the ground and functional and operating. And so uh, it's not just for church planters, even though that's where it started. uh, And that's the, the, the main group people that take advantage of it, but it is for anyone that wants to get started. So uh, if you'd like to join us for that, we're going to have that registration opening up um, probably by the middle of September and, uh, and then, um, uh, yeah, we're going to get going there. Um, so I'm excited to be 
uh, back in the room with new leafers. I love Zoom. I love the little window family that uh, we've developed over the last year, but I also love to be in the room with people. So uh, looking forward to that, L. Uh, getting excited for that. Well, and, friends. And oh, go ahead. Just go wanted ahead. to mention the New Leaf Learning Center is going to be back um, in action come the fall. Speaking of little windows that we all love. Yes, yes, yes. So the Learning Center really does expose us to new ways of thinking, sparks our imaginations, tunes our heart to the ways that God is already at work across Canada. So we each week we feature new Canadian leaders or topics that are relevant to the Canadian landscape. So we've amassed a, a nice little group, a hearty little group of people right across Canada from coast to coast that participate on Thursdays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern to 3 p.m and sometimes longer. Um, but uh, join us, that's gonna be happening in the fall again. We've got a few great things lined up for that. So keep abreast of all of that information on the newleafnetwork.ca website. And sorry that I hit my microphone with my hands. I'm a hand talker. <laughs> I got excited about that. Can everybody see that on the podcast? Can they see yeah, how yeah. you talk with your hands? That's right. Yes. Uh, those tiny little windows, those uh, learning centers have been such a gift to so many of us um, and, and have sparked a lot of new things. Even in a pandemic, folks, you can start new stuff. And that's been a great way to connect. So if you're looking for a way to turn this podcast into a family, uh, may I suggest you uh, join us for the learning center. Uh, a few other things that we're up to, we're probably going to be uh, doing uh, an Advent reader. So I know it's probably early for you to be thinking about Christmas, but, um, you know, keep your eye out for that. We've got Jamie Robertson's book um, that we're hoping to publish um, this fall. It is as of yet unnamed, but it is a totally brilliant look at how the Canadian church got to where it is. And uh, Jamie is, um, believe it or not, there are such things as exciting historians. And Jamie is one of them. Um, and if you've never heard him speak in public, buckle up, friends, you're in for a thrill ride. Uh, and we're going to be unleashing Jamie Robertson on the world uh, in 2022. Uh, with in conjunction with this book launch and we're just really excited about that so stay tuned to our blog stay tuned to our social media stay tuned to our website we've got a lot of stuff going on good stuff going on uh this fall so friends that's it from us around the new leaf project uh take care of yourselves and start something new would you bye friends